On this episode of the 132 Breeze podcast, episode 17, we are taking a look back at the NBA draft, what the Bucks and the Bulls picked up, poor Michael Bridges' mother. Also, everyone has World Cup fever. We're all getting into it. We have some uh-ohs of the week, and we're taking questions from you, our fellow fans, in the mailbag. Let's get the show started. All right, and we're back with another episode of the 132 Breeze podcast. This is your host, Marlo, along with my co-host, Casey. Casey, how are we doing today? Well, we're doing great. We're in the midst of the World Cup. It is a a great time for a a soccer fan like me. I'm loving every minute. We do have the World Cup. I'm catching the fever. You caught the fever. I did. I uh, So much so that I tried to play myself and uh, definitely overdid it and uh, caught a good uh, sore muscle and uh, heat stroke fever. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, no. Uh, Tried playing twice over the weekend. So uh, a lesson. Lesson. Can't do that anymore. (laughs) Can't spend a weekend doing uh, athletic things. So now I know. uh, World fever officially caught. Yeah. Your mind mind says one thing. The body says another. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so yeah, that was that that was good. Uh, watching a lot of soccer, played a lot of soccer this weekend. Um, just just living it up, loving the the World Cup uh, atmosphere at least that I have going around me. I have to give a shout out to one of our fellow listeners. Shout out to Dom and Kelsey. They got married over the weekend, um, so I was up in Madison for their wedding. So congrats oh. to those two! I congratulations! Well. Yeah, congratulations! And keep listening while you're on your honeymoon. Um, it's a very romantic podcast, so perfect <laughs> yeah. for honeymoons. Yeah, we're we're officially a couple's podcast. There you go. Um, all right, so we're coming at you a little late, but we had uh, this uh, past week the NBA draft went down, and, and it did. We, yeah, we did. We have some. Uh, so first off, we do have some stories. I guess I want to get into the fashion of the of course because that it's it's been a thing. It seems to keep evolving. You know, you always have the like. I remember um, Jakeem Noah when he got when he got drafted with the big bow tie. He literally looked like the clown. Uh, <laughs> he looked yeah. like a clown with his mom head. Um, but this year we it was pretty good. We had mostly you know pretty stylish suits, nothing yeah. too crazy, except for a couple. Well, I guess taking a step back, it used to be. You, you talked about it evolving. I remember back in the day, like orange suits and like crazy things, and then it seemed like it kind of calmed down a little bit, and and everybody kind of realized what how to still look good but make a statement, but still yeah. kind of adhere to general fashion norms. Right. Yeah. Also, pause it. Jalen Rose. You remember his? He had the big red suit. Speaking. Is of that what I'm thinking of? Solid colors. I think that might be what you're thinking of. Um. But yeah, you're right. Things that you know, kind of calm down. But his, oh, his is just a weird suit. All right, go ahead. Yeah, but the bling is in the bling. Uh, all the bling is in the no the no sock slipper look is definitely in. Um, but then we have we had uh, shy Gildress Alexander. Did you see his outfit for the draft, Casey? It was. Uh, a little floral, a little floral there. Yes, very. It was like almost a bedazzled floral suit, 
and it was on the jacket and the pants. So it was full suit, and they just tied it all together with a nice solid, solid color tie. I think some people, maybe younger than us, might think it's a little fashion forward, and this is the way to go, but I don't know. I don't think I can get on board with it. <laughs> I, I certainly would not be wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news, you won't find Casey in a floral-colored suit. No. Uh, well, and then another one, Trey Young, he kept one of the suit fashion stories going by going to drafts, and he showed up in suit shorts, the Trey Young suit shorts. You know, I think there's this is a, a LeBron connection. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the last couple of years, LeBron kind of buddies up to whoever you know the the hot young star is, trying to get some to is to to the shoe brand that he is and and whatnot. And I think uh, might have worked on Trey Young. I don't know if he has a, a shoe contract yet, but if my my guess is if these suit shorts are any sign that he might be signing with uh, LeBron's uh, Nike brand. <laughs> The LeBron yeah, suit short pants. Now. Yeah. <laughs> but suit, suit short I just, <laughs> Well, you kind of, you did the same, I think we were talking about, you did the same thing because I was looking, pre-draft, watching it pre-draft, like the, you know, the hour build up to it and watching the suits and I was like, oh, Trey Lungs looks pretty good and the camera pans down and there are other shorts and it's like, oh, here we go again. So I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. I think next season we'll bring a lot more suit shorts to the, uh, coming to arena near you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enough for the fashion side of it. The actual draft, uh, Casey. Were you able to follow along at that? I I was uh, out at an event, I guess, and I, I I was trying to follow my phone. And I guess this is me complaining about technology again. But it was really confusing to follow because when there are trades. Online, even now, if you go to look at it just to kind of get a recap of what happened, it just has a little trade icon next to it. <laughs> but it still has, like, Luka Doncic picked third to the Hawks, and then there's a trade icon. So you're like, yeah. oh, he was traded, but I don't know who to. And if I'm looking back, it that's not really available. And then later on, uh, I think the Clippers had a pick that they got via trade before, so that had the trade icon. It's just very confusing and very hard to get kind of like a draft recap of where they ended up. And as it was happening live, and I'm not sitting there watching it, it was very confusing. There's got to be a better way to to do it, to give this information very briefly. Um, so I was, I was following along, and I knew who went at what pick, but I didn't totally know where they ended up because I couldn't tell where the trades were. All right, that's the million dollar million dollar idea, an app for Casey go. to follow along with the draft. Yeah, in real send time. it to us, give us credit for it, let us use it. <laughs> yeah, you guys do the legwork. Yeah, we'll 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 give you a little bit of credit. We'll we'll give you a little mm-hmm. something for it. There you go. Um, but just in case you didn't know, Casey, if you weren't able to follow along, DeAndre Ayton went number one, the best yeah. kept secret in the in the draft. Uh, to the Suns, who looked like they had a pretty decent dra- draft overall. Uh, but with DeAndre uh, going to the Suns, it's obviously a huge addition. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you want to go back to, I don't know, episode two, where we talked about DeAndre not just being a, a man amongst amongst little boys. Yeah, it was a. I mean, I think he's the right the the number one the right number one pick. But I just have a little bit of concern uh, with him. He just. He was a man among boys, but he didn't always display that. Maybe at the next level, he will, you know, grow into that a little bit more. Um, 
But yeah, I don't I think, know. I, I think Chauncey was trying to say that. Chauncey was like, well, maybe he was just bored because he could do whatever he wanted when he wanted to. And then at the next level, he'll be able to showcase that every night against the best players. Sorry, sorry for that pause. We got a new co host here. Uh, Landy, you want to say hi? Good job, buddy. Right. Thank you. All right. Um, anyway, so we were talking about DeAndre Aiden going number one. Um, everybody knew that was going to happen. I'm a little leery on his prospects, especially in today's uh, NBA, you know, as it seems more guard centric. Uh, but I think with a talent like that, it's, it's okay to take him number one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really you couldn't pass you couldn't pass up on that. And you know, if if he turns out to be great, which everyone thinks he is, then it was going to be the right pick. But you have to take that chance with the with the person of that ability. Yeah, and and you talked about them having a a good draft. Another part of that was uh, them, I guess, trading for Mikael Bridges. But in the in the process, just destroying yeah. his so, mom. Yeah, Jeez. poor poor Mikael Bridges' mom. And I watched this. I watched this live because obviously they, they made a big deal about it. Um, so Mikael Bridges' mother is a VP in, I believe, the HR department with the seventy uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Yep. And then so HR and marketing, but HR and marketing. Okay, yeah, VP HR and marketing with the 76ers. So it came time. It came time for the number ten pick overall. And oh, and by the way, they're from Philly. He played for yep. Villanova. Just Philly through and through, and the seventy sixers picked Mikael Bridges, and his mom was so excited out there giving fist pumps. Yeah, took over the interview <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, the on camera interview, and was so excited and talking about how he's gonna be there every day for him to come out the tunnel in Philly. Yeah, and then like ten minutes later, we have a trade. <laughs> and yeah, and they trade Mikael Bridges away to the uh, the the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it was. It was really tough to. I, I didn't see it live, uh, as we talked about, but I saw a replay of it, and it was really tough to see that. I mean, I can only imagine seeing it happen in in real time. Uh, the the emotions that they went through on live television—that's crazy. Yeah. So crazy. That's so. It's so heartbreaking. I mean, Macau. You know, he's still in the NBA, so that's yeah. He's, he's still first rounder, top ten pick. But yeah, it just has. To, I mean, to go from like the highest highs to be like, oh, I'm going. I'm gonna be playing my hometown. No, I'm not. <laughs> and how does yeah. mom show up to work the next day? Like, what do you yeah. say to her? Right. Well, they got a pretty good. They got a pretty good deal. Got a pretty good deal out of it. Um, getting, I think it was an unprotected Miami pick. Uh, in in the future, so just to move back a couple spots was okay. Hold on, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Landon's Landon's expert opinion. Speaking of uh, uh, people to feel bad for. Well, I don't know if you want to feel bad for him, but uh, Michael Porter Jr. had, uh, I guess, his Aaron Rodgers moment where he was sitting in that green room and just falling and falling and falling. He dropped all the way to the 14th pick, um, which I, I guess surprised a lot of people. Apparently, has all the upside in the world, um, but I saw him play like one game of basketball at Missouri, and it was not very impressive. So yeah, he's, I, I don't know what to think. Yeah, he played. He only played in three games. I think he lost all three. Uh, didn't have a good showing, and but everyone said that if he was able to come out out of high school, he'd be like a top two pick. Yeah, and and then all the med- um, you know, all the talk was about the medicals, and I didn't even know you could not not give teams medicals. Like that was the thing. Oh, it, I, it's so it was like the whole thing was so weird. Like. It, like they were saying that 
they were reporting that he gave some teens medicals and some teens like half a medical. And but he's saying obviously that his back is fine. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's what made him fall. Like obviously the the skepticism on his health and getting down to fourteen. So it's a big unknown. Is it going to be a great deal for Denver or is it just a bus waiting to happen? Uh, I don't know. It, I guess that's the risk that Denver can take, right? Picking at fourteen. Uh, they're talking about him like redshirting the year and, and taking the year just to fully recover his back, which seems yeah. Um, it seems borderline crazy to me that and that would make sense why he fell to 14 and Denver's a good enough team that they don't need him right now I mean they're not going to compete no matter who they got at 14 but if he comes back the next two or three years and can be the player to reach that potential but this has a little bit of Greg Oden to me Mm -hmm. like like you kind of have this great talent or or what have you and just there's something wrong with the medical and if it that just works out then he's fine. I, I I think the best case scenario of this that I remember is Brandon Roy, right? Yeah. Like he had all the concerns about his knees, and he came in and he was really good for like five or six years, and then he just couldn't do it anymore. And with your back, I don't know. That's a. It's one of those things when it goes, it feels like it goes for for these athletes. Yeah, the, I mean, the back is pretty essential to be an athlete, and yeah, just to have so much trouble at such a young age, it it seemed it. I would be very skeptical. Al. And I mean, I was really scared when he when I realized he was going to fall, and he was still there for the Bulls. And I was oh, really, yeah. I was really scared they were going to be tempted to take him. And I guarantee, because of that reason, he's going to be turn out to be a, like a great player in five years. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think this is for Michael Porter Jr. I think this is a great thing to happen for him, which is a weird thing to say, but because he. Did you read any of his pre-draft interviews? Like he's saying he's a oh, mix yeah. between Kevin Durant, uh, who is it? Kevin Durant, Giannis, and uh, Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady. Right? Yeah, a past, yeah. present, and, and future. Like, yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm like I'm like the best of all three of those. It's like okay, buddy, relax. You had like a one double double at Missouri <laughs> and lost yeah. in the one game you played. Like yeah, the best part about cow. like that quote was he was saying that and he was like, "It's really great. To, it's a really great honor to be mentioned with like three players like that, even though he's the only one mentioning those three players." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. It's like, yeah, I think my podcast style is like Scott Van Pelt, Bill Simmons, <laughs> Ryan Rossillo. It's great. It's an honor to be mentioned amongst those guys. <laughs> it's like, what? That's right. <laughs> Nobody just, else is saying that. Nobody's saying that. But you just did. Now it's a fact. Yeah, so it's on record. It's on. It's recorded somewhere. Somebody said it. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Denver has a future Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Self-proclaimed future Hall of Famer. Self-proclaimed future Hall of Famer. <laughs> so you mentioned you were worried that the Bulls were going to take him uh, at number seven, right? What? Uh, yeah. How did you feel about their actual pick? So Wendell Carter Jr. goes to the Bulls at seven. I... I was, I, everyone can see this reaction if they really want to, but I thought, I was a little upset Mo Bamba went number six uh, mm-hmm. before the Bulls at Orlando because I thought that would have been the pick that the Bulls would have had and they really had their eye on them. Um, but I think Wendell, I, after initial thinking about it, I think Wendell Carter Jr. was a, was the probably the best pick. Um, shout out to his outfit. He was dressed up and him and his whole family were dressed up like they're from Wakanda. And uh, Black Panther, um, but yeah, he's a he's a dookie, which hasn't worked out well for the Bulls. 
Yeah. Uh, shout out Jay Williams. And, mm. uh, but he obviously. Carlos Boozer. He, <laughs> Carlos Boozer, who was, who was the um, consolation prize for not getting LeBron, D Wade, or there you or, go. <laughs> he had more chest hair than all of them combined, though. Yeah, so. that's true. That's important. Very important. <laughs> oh boy. So I think it'd be good. I mean, he's apparently he's super smart. He's supposed to. He was supposed to go to Harvard, but picked Duke instead. Go figure. Harvard uh, of the South. Yeah, Harvard of the South. So I think that was, uh, I mean, from where it was at, picking at number seven, I think that was a good pick. And I think it, it we gets, gets the Bulls, obviously younger, uh, yeah. longer and more athletic, which it has been the goal uh, since they decided to blow this thing up. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at who was picked after him, if they weren't going to risk it on uh, Michael Porter Jr., which we, I, I think both would agree that that was the right choice not to risk it on him, um, I don't know who else you would pick there at seven. And I think the the talk is that he'll play really well with, uh, what's his name, Markkinen? Yeah, Markkinen. Mm-hmm. That it gives uh, kind of defensive coverage so that Markkinen can – play more and and be kind of the offensive force and Wendell Carter can be more that energy uh and uh defensive guy so I guess on paper that makes sense in my mind that makes sense and I think at seven you know like you mentioned Mobamba I think would have been great and some of the other guys that went before him obviously would have been better but you can't you pick who's available so yep. uh, I think it was good for who was left available at seven so yeah and then the Bulls had a they had another first round pick at number twenty two and pick up child, uh, Chandler Hutchinson, yeah. which again another another long um, athletic player out of Boise State. Who, from what I've read, I mean I didn't know much of him until he was mm-hmm. drafted because I don't watch a lot of Boise State basketball. Go figure. Um, he could be a project, but he has all the upside in the world. Uh, again, long, athletic, has somewhat of a shot. Jay Billis likes to say he's he's athletic, but maybe not a super freak in the NBA, but he'll do. Uh, so I think they picked up uh, they picked up two people that are going to be obviously Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be rotation, but I believe Ch- uh, Chandler will or Hutchinson will work his way into the rotation as yeah. well. Yeah, like I said, I don't know, I don't know much about him, but um, it, it sounded like they they were high on him uh, and, and guaranteed that they would pick him at twenty two, so yep. he didn't go on uh, more. Uh, tryouts or, or pro days or whatever it's called in the NBA. So uh, it seemed like they zeroed in on him pretty quick, so they must really like him. Yeah, and shout-out to Utah. Thanks for taking Grayson Allen, because I think the Bulls probably would try to take him too if Utah didn't take him at 21. Uh, yeah, <laughs> dodge the bullet there. It would not be fun to no. uh, root for Grayson Allen in any capacity. Uh, so those are the right off for the Bulls. The Milwaukee Bucks, did they had the, the number Bucks, 17 pick? They were in the draft, yeah. too. Uh, yeah, they uh, picked up uh, Dante DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo. Of, of Twitter uh, notoriety, I guess, from <laughs> the last time that we talked about him when he was winning uh, Player of the Year in the championship game. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's a good pick. I don't. I was a little bit out on the draft this year. I think it's just because the Bucks were picking at 17. It's kind of hard to follow everyone in the, that kind of 15 to 20 range because there's yep. a lot of names that roll in and out of there. So it's really hard to kind of zero on it. Obviously, this is one that I know because he was at Villanova, was making the run to the championships the last couple of years. Um, I think he could be a good uh, combo guard, kind of a 3 and D guy. 
I don't know that he has all the upside in the world. You know, he's a little bit older as far as NBA draft goes. Um, so maybe there's not a lot of improvement there. But I mean, if he's taking Della Vadova minutes, that's fine. That's fine with me. Uh, and he has a he has a three point shot. You know, we saw that in the NCAA tournament. And I've been talking for I feel like years now about the Bucks needing to get some more outside shooting to space the floor for Middleton and Giannis. So. Hopefully uh, he fits in well and, and can do that and uh, be a, a good 3 and D guy for, for the team. Yeah, he's another guy that can run and jump, too. He gets some uh, spectacular dunks. So him and, him and Giannis might be uh, putting on a show at, a, at the new stadium this season. That's right. Um, all right, it's really it. The only other thing, I had a question. I'm surprised, speaking of like Villanova players... Uh, Jalen Brunson mm-hmm. went all the way in the second round uh, to yeah. Dallas at 33. Um, and I thought, I mean, obviously, he, he, was, he was a player of the year. He left early, uh, but I didn't mm-hmm. think he'd fall. I, I didn't think he was a lottery pick. I didn't think he'd fall to the second round, though. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a an interesting character. The, the Interesting character, interesting <laughs> player. The, the way he played in college, the, his biggest kind of strength was his ability to post up other guards, even bigger guards. I don't know that he's going to be able to do that in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a really bad championship game, and I think that kind of stuck with him. You know, at the biggest stage of his career, you know, he had a great season, won uh, Player of the Year, and all of that, but wasn't contributing at crunch time in the biggest game of his career. So I think that really hurt his status. Um, I think going to Dallas is a really good fit. Uh, I think with Rick Carlisle uh, as a coach and kind of the pieces they have there, adding Luka Doncic earlier in the draft, um, I think will will fit him really well. But it didn't surprise me too much just because I don't know how well his game translates to the next level. I think he'll be fine, but... I think he'll be fine. I think in a long period, it's just they picked up Trey in the... F- oh, no, they traded that away. Never mind. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they got their point guard in the second See? round. See? Exactly. It's yeah. hard to follow. You don't know who ended up where. It's very confusing. God damn it. Oh, you're right. All right. Well, yeah, that wraps up the NBA draft. All right, Casey. World Cup. World Cup. World Cup. World Cup fever. So first question. How are how are you enjoying it, Marlo? How are what are you taking in? What is your feeling on before I get into all oh, the specifics goodness. and dive into games? What Oh my goodness. From what? the top down, how is Marlowe's World Cup going? World Cup is World Cup is great. I like having the soccer on in the office um, in the morning, get the work done. I love telling everyone how Messi is not the goat. Oh man, <laughs> they can't argue with me, uh, even though I. Had not I say seen. you can't bring this up on the podcast. <laughs> the pod, I'm shutting it down. Yes, see, everyone gets so mad. Oh. And then, well, I was going to say Ronaldo over, I was saying Ronaldo over Messi this whole time, and then Ronaldo messed up on his penalty kick today. Yeah, that was, uh, I saw, I think the Men and Blazers tweeted out and said that was the best moment of Messi's uh, World Cup, <laughs> was when Ronaldo <laughs> missed the penalty kick. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be. Um, yeah, and just like I, the last game Messi played, just seeing the sad Argentina, like, like sad Sad soccer faces in general. I don't know. I, they're just highly entertaining to me. <laughs> like the like the Iranians today. Just they so sad. Um, yeah. Just so sad. And, and that's it's been real. That's that's probably been the most enjoyable part. Is just how passionate the fans are. Well, that's. 
I guess one of my my overall storylines that I've been enjoying about the World Cup is I guess you touched on two of them, so I'll get into those right away. <laughs> First one is the emotion. It's so uh, fun to watch. Uh, I guess maybe it's because I'm so detached to this World Cup because the United States is, isn't in it that I can kind of be more objective and, and watch other fans' emotions uh, between uh, Iranian uh, fans, you know, crying today. Uh, the Panama fans just going insane when their team scores a goal to be down six to one. Uh, <laughs> it was their first World Cup goal as a country, so I understand. Yeah. But like they were going nuts, and it's kind of like okay, you're losing by five still. Um, <laughs> to in uh, the Sweden Germany game, the Swedish fan crying when it was tied, which didn't make sense because that was a really good result for them at the time. They went on to lose on an amazing kick by uh, amazing goal by Tony Cruz, but. At the time, I was like, why are you crying? You're like, tied. This is good. You should be celebrating. Uh, but there's emotions all over. It's so fun to see. It's it's so fun to see uh, just how meaningful it is to uh, other fans. Uh, it, it Just just how engaged they are in it uh, is really fun. I guess on the flip side, another storyline that I've been kind of tracking is just the, the stress and um, the pressure that some of these – I guess world-class players are under. You talked about seeing Messi uh, after the game and even before the game when the national anthem's playing. He's like just rubbing his forehead, looks so stressed out. Uh, and then uh, Neymar, who's acting borderline crazy in the field, just falling over <laughs> at times. <laughs> I agree. He's been fouled a lot, and I get that, but he's under. A, he's put a lot of pressure on himself. I think to kind of elevate himself to that next level to become that. You know he's already, uh, you know, one of the three best players in the world, um, but to elevate himself kind of in in Brazilian uh, legend status, and he's taking that on himself. Uh, seeing uh, Mo Salah try and carry a, a really poor Egypt team, and just seeing how when things go wrong, this weighs on these these players. It's God, it's got to be tough um, for them, and it's tough to watch because. Those are the three players I was most excited going into the <laughs> tournament to watch, and they're having miserable tournaments. Um, terrible. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Messi and Argentina, we'll talk about a little bit, can still move on. Uh, Neymar and Brazil are probably moving on. Mo Salah is going home, but that's kind of how I thought it was going to go, and he ended up having two goals in two games, so a good outing by him. But just to, to see sad Messi and to see sad Mo Salah, just, it makes me a little sad, but... Um, just within the emotion and the pressure of this tournament, it's just something else. And it's it's like it's ratchet up a notch above kind of, I think, what we're used to seeing, or at least what I'm used to seeing. Um, so that's, I guess, the first thing I want to talk about the World Cup was uh, the emotions. Um, today's games were amazing. Did you get it? You uh, get a chance to watch at least the afternoon games, uh, Portugal, yeah. Iran, and uh, Spain, Morocco. Uh, did you get a chance to see those? Uh, yeah, it was, it was Portugal, Iran. I saw that one. Okay, you were watching yeah. that one. I had uh, I had a little picture-in-picture picture so going on, oh, so it's pretty you. sweet. Oh, I know. Right. See, look, technology. you do know technology, yeah. Getting in line. Uh, so it, I think the star of today's games was VAR. 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 <laughs> there was one point, it was like the 90th minute of both games, so they're, <laughs> they're going on at the same time, and both games are in video assistant review. <laughs> the referees looking at a screen and both, you know, picture in picture, it was just a perfect encapsulation of what VR has kind of turned or how it's affecting affecting the game. And a lot of 
I think a lot of people are kind of thinking that, hey, it's ruining kind of the flow of soccer and, and that sort of thing. But in today's games, in both cases, the right result was reached. And Whoa, that's okay, what's... talk to me about this at the Go ahead. Portugal-Iran one. Okay. So the one at the end of that, I didn't have sound, so I'm just watching this, and I'm like, oh, that's not even close. How was that, how was that a penalty? The handball? Yeah. It didn't touch his so, hand. Oh, it did. It did. It came... <sighs> so his hand is in an unnatural position and it impeded the ball's movement so you could say that like he's jumping up and he throws his hand up into the air maybe if the header heads the ball and it goes beyond that person's hand there could be another player there i don't know what the situation was but as a defender you can't have your hand extended from your body in an unnatural position in the box, Unreal. so he headed it past him and, and, and it hit his hand. So even though he headed it down and it hit his yeah. hand, that is a penalty. Yeah, similar. Oh, wow. uh, it was in the uh, Mexico Korea game. Um, a Mexican defender, uh, excuse me, a Korean defender slid and like had his hand up in the air, two feet from the ball. Uh, the Mexican player kicked it into his hand, and it was a penalty because his hand was in an unnatural spat, spot and prevented the cross. All right. That's, that's, so VAR awarded, uh, went back, looked at the play, and awarded Iran a penalty to tie the game. And at that time, uh, Iran and Portugal were tied, and Sweden will lose, was losing to Morocco. But at, I flipped over, you know, the, the seamless picture-in-picture picture I switched from small screen to big screen, and they were reviewing a Spain goal that was called off sides, and then they went to VAR and looked at it and said, no, he was on sides, and it was a goal, which was, again, the right call. So the right outcome occurred. It just seemed to take a little bit longer and kind of break up the final tense minutes of a game. Um, but I was, I thought, it, I think it's, these decisions are so important and it's so big to get right. I mean, this was the difference between maybe Spain, uh, the kind of the co-favorite at this point with Brazil, uh, to move on or not. I mean, that's you need to get that right, and they did. Um, and I guess maybe it's the complaint is that we're talking about VAR instead of talking about the play, <laughs> which well, I, we I, I understand. But about, we would have been talking about it anyways because we get to see it. Everyone right, we would be sitting here talking about how Spain got robbed by yep. a guy who wasn't offsides scoring a goal. Um, so I, I think in the end it, it got it right, and the Spain one wasn't too terribly long. I think the problem with the Iran-Portugal one is that the referee just was – everything seemed to take a lot, a long time for this referee in the game. So I think it was kind of a him situation as opposed to yeah. a VR situation. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a lot of talk about today's games. I didn't mean to get – so much into that. Um, I feel like it's a common theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Working on it. Working on it. You know, trying to get to that Bill Simmons level of uh, conciseness or whatever. Um, so, as we stand, uh, we are through two-thirds of the group stages, and two of the groups, groups A and B, have been set. Uh, Uruguay and Russia are moving on out of group A, and Portugal excuse me, Spain and Portugal are moving on out of uh, Group B. So the winner will take on the second place in uh, those two groups. Uh, and looking ahead to uh, Tuesday, we got Group C uh, and Group D. Uh, group C is France's group, um, and I think the game to watch 
uh, in that it's it's France, uh, I guess France, Denmark, Australia, and uh, Peru is the group. Uh, Denmark and France are playing uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, that's the one I would key in on because uh, France is the clear winner of the group, but Denmark still has something to play for. Uh, so they will need to get a result against France, or want to at least want to get a result against France. So it should be a pretty entertaining game. Uh, later in the day, I think this is the perhaps the match of the week. Uh, Nigeria and Argentina will be playing, and the winner of that will move on. So despite everything that kind of Argentina and Messi have been through, all their struggles, uh, tying Iceland and getting blown out, absolutely dominated by Croatia they could still move on with a uh, solid win over Nigeria uh, likewise Nigeria uh, can move on so that that'd be a good one uh, to watch so that's a win and you're in pretty much it's yeah. it's possible that uh, if Iceland beats Croatia there's possibility then it gets into tiebreakers and things oh, but I I don't I just don't see Iceland beating Croatia Croatia's playing so well and uh, even watch though the game is yeah, even though the game is relatively meaningless for Croatia, you don't want to kind of ruin your momentum that you have as a team, the confidence you have as, as a team. So I think th- I still expect them to get a result out of that. Um, although Iceland winning would be a fantastic, uh, a fantastic result for a neutral fan. Um, on Wednesday, uh, Group F is the morning games. Uh, this. This group can really go any way. Mexico, Germany, and Sweden all have a chance to advance and all could be eliminated depending on how the results go. And it's crazy to think that Mexico, after uh, winning against Germany, which it was, we'll talk about later um, in, in the mailbag, um, and then beating South Korea, has it's possible that they could go out. That seems so strange. But um, Germany and, and Sweden do have a chance to advance. Sweden would be the key to that, having to beat Mexico. Uh, to knock the Mexicans out of the knockout round. Uh, And then Group E, uh, it looks like Brazil and Switzerland are uh, going to move on, but both still need results. Um, Brazil's playing, watch Brazil. Anytime they're playing, you should always watch Brazil. Uh, So I'd key in on that game on Wednesday. Uh, Going on to Thursday, this is Group H action. This is similar to the... uh, Group F, where Japan, Senegal, and Colombia all have a chance of advancing, but they could be eliminated depending on the results. Uh, I believe it's uh, Colombia and Senegal uh, will be the better of the two games there in the morning stage. And then Group G is the last one to play on Thursday, the last group to be decided. Uh, This one has already been decided, however. Uh, England and Belgium play. They have been two of the best-looking teams uh, so far, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they perform against each other because it might be a case of are they really good or is Tunisia and Panama just really bad? <laughs> because <laughs> England and Belgium just beat up on both those other teams. Um, and an interesting uh, note to this game, if they tie, so right now going into the game, they're tied at the top with six points. They have the same goal differential, which is the second tiebreaker. The third tiebreaker is total goals. Both of them have eight so far. The third tiebreaker is how they do against each other. So if they tie, they would obviously have the same in all of those three things. So the fourth tiebreaker is called fair play or like level of discipline. So whoever has the least yellow and red cards. (laughs) We'll move on. If that's tied, it's a 
coin flip or they do the you know the balls you put the ping pong balls in to they move do ping pong balls yeah they NBA like they, draft it yeah like they do so when they do the group stages they they do that in in soccer as well so they'll do that um if it's tied in in disciplinary action so is so I'm wait, rooting the for ping that. pong balls how do how, how many do they put in like do they each I don't, how does this work explain <laughs> is there just two balls and then so, whatever one pops up so first of all, I did the whole the full four stages <laughs> with the tiebreakers. I, I don't know how many ping pong balls are on there. Let's say five of each. I have no idea. Okay, it's more than it's more I than I know. I know it's happens. more than I I know it's more than just like one of each. <laughs> no, I so, hope that happens. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh-huh. Um, so the, and then whoever wins, maybe the ping pong. Uh, draw will will move on in first place. So I think that's something fun to watch. So in the game, uh, root for a tie because that'd be great. And um, it's just interesting to see who would be the better of those two teams who have both looked so well uh, so far in the tournament. But that's what's on tap for the World Cup this week. That's what I think you should be watching. That's what I think's at stake. I mean, watching all of it, I can't wait. I'm just this is so the best excited. Time. Are you? St- are you starting to get sad because it's coming, like it's winding down? I already looked ahead to what, um, <laughs> when the first break day is. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do <laughs> that day um, when there's not a game on? And I was really sad about that. So definitely when it gets to be, uh, you know, breaks between the days or, or one game a day, I'm going to, I'm going to start feeling it like, you know, when that third week of the NCAA tournament rolls around, and you're like, "Oh no, there's yeah. not, there's not basketball." There's on? not eight games on right. <laughs> What's happening? What's going on. All right, there it is for it's, World Cup. It's Friday. Friday's the first day without it. This Friday. okay? So there's a break, get, one day break between the group stage and the knockout stage. All right, so get your fix in because it won't, it don't, it won't be here forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Casey, we got a couple uh-ohs for this week. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, first up is your boy, Jameis Winston. Mm. Looks like his past is coming back to haunt him again. Um, he, well, it's been reported that, he is going to, that the league is going to hand out a three-game suspension dating back to an incident with an Uber driver in 2016 um, that initially wasn't reported to the, to the NFL by Winston, but... Uh, has since come up and is going to be the whole against the player conduct agreement, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so James Winston looks like he's going to miss the first three games of the season. And, of course, the Bears play them on their fourth game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just more character questions for, for James Winston. It's uh, It's starting to pile up, I think. And... Yeah. I mean, he's obviously talented. I just don't know how far that takes you uh, these days. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's just it don't. just seems like once it just seems like oh you're like you try to give it to him like oh I think he got it now. Uh no, there's something else. Yeah, there's always yeah, respect your else. respect your Uber drivers and yeah. Lyft drivers. Seriously, yeah, be cool. Um, all right, another one. This one truly your boy. Yeah, Brett Favre is trying to get rid of football. I think he hates football. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brett, he is getting behind a movement to for regulation against boys to or 
children to play football yeah. under the age of 12. Yeah. Um, citing, citing concussions and whatnot, and he's an expert because he's had about 300-something concussions or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, he wants to push it along to not allow, allow players to play until above the age of 12. Thoughts? Well, I think, you know, coming from different backgrounds, we might have different takes on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I think uh, you can play a form of football without the uh, head injuries, the, the head trauma that you can cause uh, children. Um, and I think Brett Favre being someone who I just feel like we're going to look back in however many years and go, that dude took a beating. We can look back now and say he took a beating yeah. and, and <laughs> you know, playing with broken thumbs and, and that sort of thing. You know, he's kind of come out. Uh, I'm getting a little, I guess, in Brett Favre's corner and a little, maybe a little bit of homerism here. But, you know, things that come has come about how with his uh, struggles with addiction to painkillers and things, it's football. It seems like it's taken a lot out of him. And I think he has a viewpoint of saying, look, this isn't right for kids uh, to be doing and from I guess you know a parent of a young child I don't I I don't disagree with him on that all right that's fair I it's it's always hard when the players come out and say these type of things because obviously they've been through it um, they know what goes into it they know the sacrifices they know the the risks and have come out on the other side um, you know I, I'm in somewhat of agreement again as they as a father of a young boy have these discussions all the time now and I think you know my personal belief is yeah they should be a little older before they start contact football yeah. um, just you know because of development of the brain and all that good stuff um, so I am in agreement I don't know if we need to make legislation on it uh, I don't even yeah. know go that far I, I still believe it should be a decision up to the parent and the child um, but it it but it's definitely moving this way and there's no doubt yeah. about it that I don't I honestly don't know if there will be you know Pop Warner football uh, by the time my kids actually able to play. Yeah, and I I didn't play Pop Warner football, so I don't know exactly like uh, you know the level of of contact or you know violence or whatever there is in the game. Um, so I'm not an, an expert on that, but I just know that you know we've kind of talked about it and don't think it's something that we want our son to do. So you know I th- I think it's interesting for as a former football player, Brett Favre, not myself, Brett Favre. <laughs> to, yeah, to come out and say this because I think that there's a certain level of, um, you know, I went through it or it's it's acceptable or this is the way that it is kind of mentality that can take place and to kind of go on the other side of that and, and kind of speak against, I don't want to say speak against football culture necessarily, but like, you know, speak against kind of the, the general uh, stance of, of football fans or, or football players, I think is could be tough to do so i think it's great for him to do all right good job brett way to get out there but who's he gonna throw to when he's like in the summertime trying to get that arm rested up if he doesn't have kids playing football no well, it works with the high schoolers <laughs> they're over 12 so they, they okay. can they can tackle they can tackle each other. all right all right um another qb man it's very qb centric i didn't realize this um your boy baker mayfield of the Cleveland Browns. Back up to Joel Stave. <laughs> back up. <laughs> yes, yeah, back up to Joel Stave. Went on the uh, Callan Cowherd show. What's the show called? The Herd, right? Mm-hmm. Went on The Herd. Uh, did you see these clips at all? Did you see this? 
No, I saw he was going on, and he said he was going on with his good friend Colin Coward, and I was like, are they friends? Yeah. Do so they, they know, or is he, is he just kind of like being like a, hey, my buddy kind of thing? <laughs> I, think, I think it's a little tongue-in-cheek, because they've been, you know, spitting and spatting on, on oh, okay. Twitter a little bit, back and forth. You know you know how Colin is. He likes to say that he wasn't a big Baker uh, fan when he was playing, about him yeah. being drafted. Um, Baker on his show wore, wore a shirt that said undraftable, because that's what Colin said of him. Nice. Um, coming in. But if, if you have a chance, anyone out there, I mean, I don't condone watching the her because I, I think it's a terrible show. But I would watch well, those clips. <laughs> you think it's a terrible show? To each their own opinion, right? I'm not a Colin Coward fan. Like, he, he uses every chance he gets to, like, I think to take a shit on the Badgers, in my personal opinion. Oh, okay. He gave us credit once. I for, No, he, was, he wasn't even giving us credit. He was just, he picked a... He picked a team, and it happened to be us, that like he could make a comparison that was better than Notre Dame. And that's like not hard to do nowadays. So anyways, yeah. so Baker went on there, and some of the clips, like the best part was Colin showed him a clip from the Ohio State game where, where Baker threw a touchdown and then like ran towards the sideline like after he was after done. And yeah. basically it was like, I don't like this. You should be celebrating with your teammates. No, oh, please. And Baker, Baker was like, have you watched the rest of the game? Did you watch the whole game? Plus, I was running over to the sideline with our fans and our band and everyone. Was and, and he was so cool and calm through this whole thing and just kind of put Colin in his place. Yeah. That I have to give a little, little golf clap to Baker. Nice. Because he was very poised. And I think Cleveland might have a quarterback. Oh, boy. Well, that's if Stave gets hurt or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah after Stave. Obviously. Yeah, uh... I think, so, I guess going into the draft and kind of all the things I heard out of Oklahoma and kind of saw, you know, the highlights and things, I was a little bit worried. You know, he seemed like, uh, you know, maturity might be an issue or, you know, that he's, you know, not kind of, I guess you'd say quarterback material as far as that goes. But everything I've seen since the draft, he's kind of taken it all in stride and kind of been, I mean, he's made mistakes, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he hasn't, but. I agree. He seems like he might be a quarterback, yeah, and be able to handle all this, which is kind of surprising because I didn't think he'd be able to. <laughs> Very early in the process, but we yeah, he still has to play football. He still does have to like play the, football. Yeah, the interview things and kind of like the ability to have some self awareness. I did not think he had self. I guess yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. I right, didn't think yeah, he yeah. had self awareness. I thought he was just kind of like this. Uh, kind of stuck a privileged guy. That's the impression that I got from his antics. Yep. Um, but he seems a lot more self-aware than I thought he was. Right. Like he seemed like a Which guy the, kind of shoots I from the hip. That, I don't know. I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, you're more so, I thought you were completely unself-aware. Congratulations, <laughs> you're self-aware. <laughs> Congratulations, Baker. Yeah. You seem like a normal human being. Way to go. Go flat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. And uh, before before we go on, I got to, uh-oh, just to be aware to our our fellow fans, the body issue is coming out for ESPN, so... Be ready for when you go on to the ESPN homepage to have a half-naked body <laughs> staring you right in the face. So if you're at work, 
be aware. Yeah. <laughs> or if, uh, you know, just you want to get your mindset right for Yasiel Puig sitting there with just a glove covering himself, <laughs> be ready. Be ready. And tell everyone, I swear it's ESPN. It's just Man, ESPN. Just... Why do they nowhere. continue to do this? I think it was like cute when they're like, oh, we're going to do the body issue one time. And, and now it's like, you know, it's their version of the uh, swimsuit issue. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, okay, it's, it's an athlete with no clothes on. Yeah. It's like they're in better shape than I am. I yeah. get it. I get it. <laughs> I, get it. Yeah. I think it, I think it's fine. But in the context of like, hey, this is a magazine we're going to do once in a while where we do this. Not like, front page of ESPN.com where I come to just expecting to see, oh, what's the score of the the World Cup game that I'm watching? <laughs> or let me just check real quick what time the Brewers play tonight. And it's like, boom, bam. You know, I, who is the other one? Zlatan Ibrahimovic in my face with the shirt <laughs> off. It's like not not ready for that. Didn't uh, expect that. Not cool, ESPN. Not cool. All right. Just so be aware, fans. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we uh, get to the mailbag here this let's, week? Let's dig in. Let's let's dig in. Um, yep, as always, thank you for your, your questions. Feel free to send them along uh, via Twitter or Facebook at 132Breeze. And we will get them on the show and give you a little shout-out. Like our boy Scooter with a long-winded question. Yeah. And I'll probably just paraphrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Um, Basically, LeBron has all the money in the world. Uh, oh, here we go. But we may still care about his legacy. Uh, obviously, the biggest impediment to his legacy are the Chicago Bulls fans, who will stick by Michael Jordan as the greatest player ever. The LeBron can opt out as of this Friday. If he opts out and goes to the Bulls, wins a championship, will he? Will eat? Would that amount, be a tremendous amount to his legacy? For the fact. That it would take away from his biggest detractors, i.e., Bulls fans. Woof. A lot of take in. Okay. First of all, I think LeBron's opting out. I think it's pretty obvious, or at least they try to make it obvious during the draft. Yeah. Um, will he come to Chicago? I don't think. And I think it's because LeBron is very well of, like, what, a legacy, the word legacy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if he did come to Chicago and win championships, that would probably do something. I don't know if it would tip the scale in, in Chicago's f- fans, you know, favor as LeBron over Michael debate goes. Maybe, maybe not. But I tell you what, if he doesn't, if he doesn't win, if he did go to Chicago and doesn't win, oh, Ooh. then it's and it's over, and he's never going to top Mike yeah, in, in their a, eyes. Uh, that's a good point. The The risk is much greater than the reward, reward would be. I think uh, that's a really good point. Uh, I think that it's too close to the Jordan era. So if he came and won one or two, it's still Jordan won six. All all the things that went along with that. Uh, So I think, I guess, following up on your point, that there's too much risk in that. Uh, I, You know, this is just so tough because essentially we have to say, like, what would it take for LeBron to surpass Jordan? And I think... For both of us, it's like, well, it's kind of, kind of, kind of can't. can't. So, um, yeah, if he did go and win, I think he would win over some of the Bulls fans. And I think if you're kind of doing a like a poll of who is the best all time, that might help him. Um, but I think it would take him going to a team and winning, going on another run. Yeah. You know, he went 
what is he? He's won three now. He won two with the Heat or one with the Heat? Two with the Heat. Two with the Heat, one, one with the Cavs. Yep. So let's call that run one. I think he would need to go on another run. And I know he's been to the finals a bazillion times in a row, but I think it would take him winning another run of like three finals with two championships to get up there in the eyes of the Bulls fans, if that's who he really wants to win over. And I'm not even sure that's possible. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it takes another run. If that was with the Bulls, that would be fine. But I don't think that it would, you know, if it goes, if he goes to the Lakers and does the, a similar run of, you know, let's just say two championships in four years, I think that would be enough to, to do it. I don't see that happening um, from, uh, you know, a basketball standpoint, but I think that's what it would take. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, it's it's too hard. Like, I think it's going to take some time. I don't, I still don't think for what Scooter is trying to say here of these fans, you know, doesn't have to necessarily be Chicago fans or the people that, you know, just aren't there yet. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen while he's playing. I think it might happen after he's done oh, for a few years. And it's like, yeah, kind of what happened can... to Jordan. Like, we're, we're waiting for the next great player to come along. Um, I mean, there's yeah. some good ones, you know, obviously there's like KD and there's people in the league now that kind of could step up. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it takes some time to step back and like actually appreciate what you know what he has done. Yeah. So that's my answer. All right. <laughs> thanks for the, thanks for this question, Scooter. All right, I got a mailbag question here from uh, David J. Uh, what was? And I'm gonna again paraphrase this question a little bit. He sent it um, in the middle of the week, and some soccer things have happened since then. So. I'll paraphrase a little bit. Um, what was the most impressive result so far? Uh, when he sent the question, he gave Iceland's draw against Argentina or Russia being up 8-1 to one against uh, Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And uh, if you... Uh, so I, I guess I'll answer that and there's another part of the question. Uh, Iceland's draw was great. That was really impressive at the time. And, and Russia being up 8-1 to one was very impressive at the time. But s- since then... Um, Iceland lost and Argentina lost, so Iceland's draw doesn't look as great as it did. And then Russia lost three to zero to uh, Uruguay today. So both of those things don't look as great as they did in the time. While at the time they were both very impressive, I still think the most impressive result for the tournament so far was Mexico's win over Germany. Um, and granted, since then Germany went on to struggle against Sweden, only winning two to one, but. Um, Mexico is the first CONCACAF team to beat Germany in a major tournament. Beating the defending champions, kind of taking control of that group was, you know, a major, uh, a major win. And uh, the way they celebrated it was like they had won the World Cup. It was really neat to see. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it because I, you know, view Mexico as a rival of the United States men's national team, but uh, I think that was the most impressive result so far. And then he goes on to ask, and if you could only watch one game this week, what would it be? Um, and I kind of, I guess the, the answer of games that I know that will happen is England, Belgium. I'm just really interested to see if these two teams are for real. Um, these are two teams, as I mentioned in the preview, uh, podcast have a lot of, uh, English premier league players. So I know a lot of the players. I'm familiar with a lot of them, uh, and they all have been playing phenomenally, uh, so far in the tournament. So I want to see if that will continue, um, against each other but if i look ahead a little bit to the knockout rounds and i know those aren't set up yet but some really juicy 
um, possible matchups. Uh, France and Argentina, if Argentina wins. Um, spoiler, that's my final in my bracket. I don't feel that way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be a round of 16 match, uh, which would be really exciting. And then if I go a little bit farther next Monday, we might get Germany versus Brazil which would be an amazing matchup to get in the round of 16, a rematch of last World Cup's uh, semifinal where Germany won 7-1. to I don't think that'll happen this time, and that would be an amazing match. Um, so those are two possibilities, but I would, I would keep my eye on the England-Belgium game. Both teams have been scoring. Uh, both teams have been re- playing really good attacking uh, soccer, so that would be the one to keep an eye on. If they try, because they're tied. <laughs> so, so they don't need to win. That's the thing. They don't need to win, but they should still want to win their group, uh, and they should still want to continue. I kind of talked about earlier, continuing that momentum, continuing uh, to play well as a team going forward. Um, they should still want They should still compete, and those are that's kind of the – when you looked at the, the group stages and you looked at kind of the two teams you would expect to advance, uh, kind of similar to Spain, Portugal – uh, they were the the opening round. This is the the one group where the two teams you expected to advance and will be advancing play at the last game. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. All right. Did you did you want anything? To <laughs> no. I think that? you covered it. All right. I uh, yeah. I think you covered it. I hope. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I want to see Messi. I want to see Messi uh, do something. That's what I'm looking. Or forward. he'll just combust under the pressure. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I was so nervous. I, outside of rooting for a team that I you know root for that I, I you know a Badgers or a Packers or, or something like that, watching Messi play against Croatia, I was so nervous. I just felt the whole game that it was going to go poorly, and I was so nervous. And then it <laughs> did. Oh, it was it was weird. It was, I don't know. It was different. It was different because I I didn't. I'm rooting for a player, right, as opposed to a team. I don't much care how far Argentina goes outside of Messi. So it was a very strange feeling, and I was I felt so much pressure, and I was just a fan. I can't imagine what he's going through. <laughs> just feeling for Messi. Yeah. You know, the, he's only considered the best soccer player of all time and, you know, all the other things he has going for him. But, yeah. He's but just that, no, he's no the Ronaldo. Thing, that's the thing. Oh, God. That's the thing about the World Cup, though, is you have these situations with this guy is widely regarded as the best player of his time, if not all time, is incredibly successful, incredibly wealthy, blah, 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 but he feels this immense pressure to perform now, and it's not working, and I, through all of this, have sympathy for him. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty neat. God, World Cup. Oh, World Cup. Catch it. Got the fever. All right. Casey, I think it's going to do it for us. I, I mean, I would ask if you have any last words, but we might be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we'll be back next week. Casey, you have any last words? That we will. In the meantime, I hope all your favorite teams win all the sports. All right. You got some fire up. No, it's okay. It was good. We raise our flags and put our pride on our back. We feel it like Don't get it twice. One, one, one life, live it up, cause you don't get it twice.